Welcome to the Luke Messias Show. Last session, dozens of Republicans voted to give your tax dollars to hospitals that are socially transitioning children. They voted to give your money to expand the operations of hospitals that are literally doing social transitioning of Texas kids. Ultimately, after they were called out, 11 Republicans, even after being criticized, stuck with their position. And we're going to talk about that today. Also, we're going to talk about one of those Republicans who is a self-described backbench Republican. He's a backbencher in the legislature. According to him, he doesn't really matter that much. But he did come out this last week in a town hall talking about Dade Phelan and why the Democrats kind of run the Texas House. So let's get to the show. The first episode of the Luke Messias show was about the transgendering of children and was with Jeff Younger. We interviewed Jeff, a show that got hundreds of thousands of views, millions of, of followers and listeners and people that watched the video and downloaded the podcast. It got talked about all over the media. And it was because the story that was getting revealed was one that showed the innocence of children that was being taken away in Texas. And the movement that started with some of those early conversations culminated this session with the ban on the worst parts of the transgendering of children, the genital mutilation surgery, the puberty blockers, the cross-sex hormones. But children are still being transitioned in Texas. And this was the problem for House leadership this session. They started the session saying, hey, we're going to pass that horrible thing that everyone keeps blaming us for killing because we did kill it. So we're going to pass it so we take that off the playing field. You can't talk about it anymore. Essentially, think of what we did as the 20-week abortion ban. I talk about that. It's the 20-week abortion ban. It's the worst parts of abortion that you're making illegal. That's what they did on the transgendering of children issue. But keep in mind, with that, you have to realize that what they kept in place was all of the transitioning that's still happening. So when a child is one, two, or three, and they're playing with a girl toy, right, Let's say you got a little boy who's two or three and his sister likes playing with uh, dolls. And he says, I want to play with dolls because I want to play with my sister. And their parents, some evil people in Texas, say, hey, maybe Tommy's a girl. They take him to a psychologist. And maybe the parent isn't horrible, but they just grow up in this leftist brainwashing where they're like, oh, let's go trust a psychologist with this kid. So they go to the children's hospital and they say, hey, do y'all have anybody here we can check our kid in? Yeah. They walk in. Oh, Tommy might be a girl. Let's start transitioning Tommy. Let's start socially transitioning Tommy. Walking him through all these. And, and Tommy's going to go meet with a psychologist, his parents regularly, and they're going to start telling Tommy, you're actually a girl. And then when he's six, they're going to have a coming out party where they put him in a dress and bring all his friends over and they go, hey guys, Tommy's a girl. Tommy is now Linda. Apologies to you if your name is Linda. I'm not trying to offend the Lindas out there. There's a very nice Linda that goes to my church. This has nothing to do with her. Okay. So this is happening with these kids. The only thing that we're preventing is that they can't get the cross-sex hormone. They can't have their puberty blocked. And they can if they travel to another state and then come back. So Texans can still do it. They just have to travel. It's kind of like what we have with abortion right now because there are a lot of Texans that still just fly to Denver for a day trip and get the abortion. And their corporation pays for everything, sets them up in a nice hotel. 
have, have the nicest meals you can all on the company. Enjoy killing your child. And we'll even give you some time off when you come home. That's the reality. Well, we've done that same thing with the transgender care of children, but we've kept a lot of it legal. Just the worst parts we've made illegal. That's good. It's good that we passed that bill. So this session, I want to remind y'all, and, and as we go on through the tail end of the summer and into the fall, I'm going to come to you at times with these votes that took place because I want you and I want the rest of Texans to realize the battle we're up against in the Texas House of Representatives, in the legislature. Citizens should dominate the conversations around culture and government. And to do that, we need to be informed. That's why Texas Scorecard exists, putting the news in context. We cover the stories that matter to you, the ones that you talk about around the kitchen table, not those dictated by politicians or coastal elites. Our mission is to help citizens move from media consumers to cultural and political influencers. The issues you care about, covered by people who share your values. Texas Scorecard, real news for real Texans. We're gonna talk about policies that died real conversations that happened. There are a lot of different policies I wanna do this on, okay? And so I'm gonna to come to you and say, here's a debate that happened four months ago, but the relevance is we need to remember what happened. For some people, as I've talked about this or written about it or posted videos about it, they go, I had no idea this happened. So one of the reasons we do it is so that us as a movement can be reminded. So much stuff happens during the session. I'll like bookmark things that happened in March, April, May and go, at some point, I need to make this a Luke Messiah show episode. So I'm bringing this here to you today for that purpose so that you can share it with people. They will learn it for the first time. Some of you might remember when I talked about this debate briefly during the session. The other reason I'm going to talk about it is because it's going to draw attention to the reality we have that we have these coalitions of liberal Republicans who will team up with Democrats. And the teaming up is what accomplishes the policy victories or killing the bad policy. So HB 1898 came up for debate. And it was a grant program that was going to say, let's take a bunch of your taxpayer dollars, taxpayer dollars that could have been given to you in property tax relief. And instead, let's hand it to all these children's hospitals to grow their facilities. And J.C. Jatan, you'll hear him in the debate, lay out the reasoning. And then Tony Tinderholt got up and said, hey, I actually am going to make sure that if you're a children's hospital that's socially transitioning children, you have psychologists on staff that are socially transitioning these kids. You don't get a penny of this money, which would be huge. Imagine if red states thought this way. Then all of a sudden, these hospitals are saying, well, is it worth it that we have this, these psychologists and therapists on staff that are transitioning these kids? Because this other rural hospital out here, they just fired their one psychologist and they got a $50 million grant from the state of Texas. They got a $10 million grant from the state of Texas. They got a $5 million grant from the state of Texas. Any of that is worth ending the evil that is happening in your hospital. And then Baylor Scott and White or Cook's Children in Fort Worth, these ones that have left of center ideas, they'd say, well, we're going to do it anyways. And that's fine. 
It's, it's not fine that it's happening, but it's fine that they don't get our money. It's good that they don't get our money. And if these lawmakers come and say, well, these people need more beds, they can build them. You think I'm going to build more beds for a hospital that's going to profit from every bed we build them while they're transing our kids? No, thank you. So Tony Tendrell kind of messes up their plan with this amendment. Let's go to this clip. The following amendment, the clerk read the amendment. Amendment by Tenderholt. The chair recognizes Mr. Tenderholt to explain the amendment. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, members. My amendment simply prevents grant programs from directing funds to children's hospitals that provide psychological, behavioral, gender transitioning procedures. I move adoption. The chair recognizes Ms. Johnson of Dallas in opposition to the amendment. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, members. You know, we are having an incessant amount of these kinds of amendments on every bill in this body. There are bills moving that we can have a thoughtful conversation about the role of mental health care in gender affirming care. But this bill is not it. This bill is designed to provide capital improvements to children's hospitals for mental health care. And we need to put a stop to this. And I'm asking you to vote against this amendment. Thank you. The chair recognizes Mr. Tenderholt to close on the amendment. The chair recognizes Mr. Jatan in opposition to the amendment. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, I've, I've spent the last two sessions on public health listening to hours and hours of testimony uh, when it comes to gender modification of children. And there's no doubt in my mind that there is, there is a need for a bill to fully address gender modification, gender affirming care here in Texas. I believe that there's a bill that is going to pass this house that addresses that issue. The bill that I'm bringing here today is strictly for children's hospitals to be able to get the funding so that when a child goes to an emergency room, either attempting to commit suicide, having suicidal ideation, or having some sort of extreme situation that there are beds and there are services available for that child. That is what this bill does. It does not pertain to gender modification of any type. And so in my attempts to keep this bill that has been worked on um, by many stakeholders to preserve the hard work that was put into this bill, I'm asking you to vote no on this amendment. The chair recognizes Mr. Tenderholt to close on the amendment. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, members. Well, I respect what he's saying. I'm going to try every single opportunity to stop children from being uh, abused, every single opportunity. And a lot of these kids that go there, they want to hurt themselves. I think there's a percentage of them that may be uh, transitioning. I move adoption. Mr. Tenderholt sent an amendment. The amendment is not acceptable to the author. A record vote has been requested by Mr. Harris of Anderson. The clerk will ring the bell. Mr. Jatan voting nay. Ms. Johnson of Dallas voting nay. Have all members voted. There being 52 ayes and 90 nays, the amendment fails to adopt. 52 ayes and 90 nays. 29 Republicans actually voted. Hearing that debate, voted with J.C. Jatan. I want to bring up just a handful of things. First of all, it's really interesting because J.C. actually goes up. You have a hard time hearing it um, on the clip, but he thinks he's moving on to Tinderholt closing. And Jatan goes up. He's like, I want to speak on this, right? So he knows 
in order for me to keep this thing going, I need to keep my own party in line and I need to get up and make my case. That's interesting. The second interesting factor is the fact that he says, hey, we've got a bill that's going to deal with this. And do you know where you got that talking point? From the liberal lesbian state representative that spoke before him, the Democrat that says, hey, we've got a bill that's going to take care of this. This is not the bill. And that is silly. Imagine saying, hey, later in this session, we're going to discuss a bill that makes certain surgical procedures and cross-sex hormones illegal. So we don't need to talk about whether or not we should socially transition kids. It's apples and oranges, and they know it. And you want to know why Jason Jutan knows it? He can't hide behind, oh, well, I thought this was in the bill. Two reasons. One, Tom Oliverson, the author of the eventual ban, voted for the Tenderholt Amendment. And two, J.C. Jadon says, I've been on public health for several sessions. I know this issue. I know we need to do something about it. Well, if you've been on public health and you've looked at any of these bills that have been filed, you're smart enough to know that the bills that are being considered in the Texas House Public Health Committee have nothing to do with social transitioning. This is the only bill this session that dealt with the social transitioning of Texas kids. So also, I, I criticized JC on this before, but I will bring it up again. He literally calls it gender-affirming care. That's not a thing. That is disgusting that you would refer to it that way. He shouldn't have done it. He still hasn't even admitted it was wrong to do. So the thing is, I called out people when that vote happened. I actually went. And by the way, if you want to kind of see the overview of this, I published a piece of Texas scorecard titled 11 Republican Texas lawmakers who voted to fund transgender social transitioning. It started out as 29. And then I went on Twitter and I said, thank you, Dwayne Burns, Trent Ashby, David Spiller, Tony Tinderholt for supporting this ban. Sadly, Republicans like James Frank, Stephanie Click, Candy Noble voted with the Democrats to keep this in place. Well, what happened was very quickly, 19 Republicans went and changed their vote. Now, let me tell you the first 29. It was Steve Allison, Doc Anderson, Ernest Bales, Keith Bell, Brad Buckley, Angie Chen Button, Giovanni Capriglione, Tom Craddock, Drew Darby, Mano de Ayala, James Frank, Frederick Frazier, Cody Harris, J.C. Jatan, Kyle Casal, Ken King, Stan Kitzman, Stephanie Click, John Kempel, Stan Lambert, Janie Lopez, Jeannie Morrison, Candy Noble, Angelia, or... Hugh Shine, Carl Tepper, and Kronda Timish. All of those people heard that debate and said, I'm with JC. And then when they realized, mm, actually, this is going to look really bad for me that I just did that, 19 of them went, 18 of them, 18 of them went and changed their votes on the record. So they voted that way, they changed their votes. Okay. One thing to remember, yes. Most of us recognize that as an actual changed vote. It doesn't change the outcome. If enough people change their vote to literally change the spread, it still doesn't mean the amendment passes. So the deciding vote is the first vote you cast. But these 18 Republicans go and change their vote. Here's what I think is so funny. Cody Harris is the one that asked for the record vote. He was like, put this on record. I want to make sure people know I'm with JC. And then the next day he was like, uh, actually, I'm with Tony Tinderholt. <laughs> so he got himself in trouble there. 11 Republicans, however, stayed. They heard the discussion, they saw the publicity on this issue, and they said, no, this is our position. We are going to support the social transitioning of Texas kids. We're gonna, we don't have a problem if taxpayer money goes to these institutions and they socially transition kids. Who cares? Who are those 11 Republicans? J.C. Jatan, 
Ernest Bales, Angie Chen Button, Drew Darby, Kyle Casal, Stan Kitzman, Stephanie Click, Jeannie Morrison, Angelia Orr, Hugh Shine, and Carl Tepper. Now, Carl Tepper is somebody who we're going to now talk about. He's one of the 11. And he recently had a town hall in Lubbock. They got filmed. And so I found the YouTube link and watched it over the weekend. Unfortunately, it took more of my Saturday than I would have liked it. But I did. I watched the town hall and there was just so much good content that he came out with that I just had to bring some of it to you here today. Carl Tepper is one of these 11 Republicans. So let's look at some of the things he said. The first clip we're going to go to is a clip where he's discussing Dade Phelan. Now, this is the True Texas Project. And I, I said this, credit to Carl Tepper. He says this um, later on. I don't think we're going to play this clip for you today. But at one point he says, hey, I encourage my Republican colleagues to get out there. Go to TV stations, do the interview with the press, go talk to your Republican clubs because so many of them hide. And Carl Tepper should receive some credit. He's actually going to these groups and saying, I will talk to you. And in, in some ways, he's brutally honest. There's things he say, says that I think are completely wrong. And we're going to break some of that down for you today. And there's other things he says that I think are very accurate. So let's go to this first clip where he's talking about date feeling. I know there's a lot of, I hate the date feeling camp. I don't get it. Um, I can read through all of the amazing things that got done this session and last session. That's what my sheet is here, and I'm talking about the news. The um, abortion is essentially outlawed in Texas. They did that last session. I'm not quite there yet, but pretty close. Constitutional carry. This session, we abolished um, drag queens, um, performing in front of children, porn in your schools, and I can go into that later. That that's a that's a fascinating bill. There were blatantly pornography pornographic books in your school district, and I mean lots of them, not just one or two who were making a big deal out of it, not out of all of them. Um, we got rid of or we're attempting to get rid of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the colleges. Uh, we can go into that later too. We've got um, shoot, dozens of red meat, great conservative issues like I've done last session. That wasn't the last session, but this session. And so I know um, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. I don't know Dave Feeling very well. Uh, I work with him. I'm one of 150 members, and I'm a freshman, and I'm, I'm in the back bench. Uh, what I saw was um, someone who is a, a very astute uh, administrator, very good management of the house, uh, meaning, you know, everything from the facilities were operational to really good chairman were in place mostly. Um, the bills got through mostly like they needed to, not always, but mostly, uh, and a good priority. And uh, the management of the house was excellent, and a lot of great conservative uh, issues went through, including, you know, it took us a little while, we got to some property tax relief and things like that. So I know, I, I think, I, I keep getting in trouble for saying this, the speaker has trouble with PR, I think. 
But uh, mostly I found it to be affable. I gave him a hard time, a couple of things, and then he gave him it right back. And I really enjoyed working with him. I didn't see any conspiracies. I didn't see any bullying. I didn't feel bullied or watched over or anything like that. And I thought um, the house operated quite smoothly. I think we could communicate a lot better. The Senate has a better um, central point of communication because you all elect the lieutenant governor uh, directly. Uh, and he's a great speaker. Uh, Dan Patrick speaks from the heart and does a really nice job explaining uh, where the Senate's going to go and where the state's going to go and why and how. Whereas Speaker Phelan isn't as out there. I don't think he's as comfortable with that. Um, I think that you've got 150 House members, a little tougher than 31 members, in the state Senate. And uh, they all have their, uh, their messages. Um, I think I'd like to work with the House I have, frankly, on getting members to just speak out more. I mean, if you're, if you're comfortable on radio or television, um, and they're, you know, on the radio show, Ken, if they're talking about an issue, uh, call in. You know, let people know what you're thinking about. Uh, if you're asked to do an interview, take the interview. Uh, some guys would be surprised. They, they managed to get elected to the House, but they're still not really comfortable on television uh, news or anything like that. So um, I'm a little more comfortable with it. I don't mind giving an interview. Uh, I don't mind saying sometimes I just don't know about an issue. And I'll, I'll look it up later and get back with you and I'll talk to you. But uh, so Dave Phelan has certainly a PR problem, but I, I'm here to tell you uh, I'm very proud of the record of the House this year. So Carl says a couple of things in this kind of initial foray into defending Dave Phelan. And we're going to get into the second portion of what he said. And by the way, there's so much. Like if you go to Twitter, I actually clip up a lot more that I don't have time to go through in full here. Um, but I want to dissect a handful of things he says here. And then we're going to go to a second clip and kind of see how he then defends some of the votes that Carl Tepper took. At one point, a clip that I don't have time to show you today is, um, is literally a clip where he talks about the fact that, well, one of the reasons why you should be glad that Dave Phelan is there is because Joe Strauss isn't there. And this is kind of a gaslighting straw man that so many of them use, which is either we get Dave Phelan or we get Joe Strauss. And this is a way of basically trying to gaslight your support for, it's like, hey, imagine like a husband that tells his wife, you know, look, I might tell you horrible things and just be really mean, but at least I don't hit you with a baseball bat like some women's husbands do. Like that is the equivalence of what they come to you as voters with. Stop complaining. It could be worse. So let's talk about what Carl says. First of all, he, he refers to himself as a backbencher. I'm kind of a backbencher. I don't really do much. Now, here's the thing. Nobody runs for office telling their voters that. Nobody runs for office and says, hey, elect me and I'll just put myself at the bottom of the totem pole and do whatever leadership tells me. And we're gonna get to that with this second clip too. You say like, well, what does the mindset of backbencher do? I'll get there. So he's a backbencher. Eh, these guys run the show. I'm just, I'm just kind of along for the ride. He says mostly twice. He, he had great chairman, mostly. Oh, interesting. Okay, that means he had some really, really bad liberal chairman. And, uh, and we got a lot done, mostly, really. 
Okay, so maybe when he says mostly, is he referring to the over dozens of conservative bills that died? Because here's the thing, they didn't mostly get good things done. When he lists the conservative accomplishments during this speech, he lists three, four, five, six policies. And I listened to the whole thing. Less than 10 really good conservative policies. He says, here's things we did. Okay. Go to Texas Scorecard. I have 48 conservative bills that died in the Texas House. I have a whole show that was dedicated to it. Thousands of people listened to that, shared it with other people, sent it to their state representative. There's a printed version on Texas Scorecard you can go read. Stuff that helped help detransitioners died. 12 election integrity legislation, 12 different pieces of legislation that deal with election integrity died. ESG bans died. Education reform died. Ten Commandments legislation died. School choice died. Things like Florida, where we said, hey, classroom grooming can't happen. Teachers can't just talk about sexual orientation and gender identity in the middle of third grade English class. That bill died. All of this stuff, you think I'm saying a lot? Critical race theory ban at universities died. Health freedom legislation, health, like the, the vaccine choice issues, a COVID vaccine ban, you cannot have any mandates, that died in the Texas House. So this, this joke that you hear like, well, we mostly got it all done. This is the mindset of a backbencher, okay? Now, my hope would be this. If Carl Tepper, so Carl Tepper is way more conservative than John Frulo was. This is true. Now, this is not an excuse. See, I'm not coming to y'all with the mindset that Carl Tepper has. See, Carl says, hey, you should be happy with Dade Phelan. At least he's not Joe Strauss. So here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to say, hey, y'all should love Carl Tepper because he's not John Frulo. John Frulo was the state representative he replaced. The state representative he replaced was more liberal than he is. Carl Tepper, more conservative. The one thing that's holding Carl back the most is that he views himself as a backbencher, which means he views his district as a backbenched district in the legislature. And he showed up to this place and they said, this is just how it works. And we're going to see what kind of toxic behavior that will draw out of someone in just a second. He, he tries to claim that this is just a PR issue, but here's the problem. It's not a PR issue. Dan Patrick literally did dozens more conservative things. Dozens and dozens and dozens more than the Texas House of Representatives. It's not just that he happened to say it better. See, saying I have a PR issue says me and this other guy are equal. He just says it better than I do. That's not even close to reality. At the end, he just says, I'd like to work with the house I have. His message to these conservatives is, everything's fine. Don't change it at all, which this is what you're supposed to do. If you want to not be a backbencher in their mind, you have to go defend everybody so that you maybe are allowed to just take another little step up the pyramid of this hierarchy in this Austin bubble. Let's go to this other clip where Carl talks about why you might have some bad votes on his record. Well, I have to be real careful. This was a year where we were trying to get Texas Tech its top five. It's, it's respect that it deserved after all this building this great university out of the desert. So this was a year where Charles Perry had worked probably 12 years trying to get the puff on or its own standalone 
type of deal. And these guys were mentored, Dustin and Charles, were right on the cusp of getting that, that the tough, what became the tough fund, Texas University fund, to get some of the surplus of your tax dollars that you thought were overpaid, but nevertheless we used it to create Stop. the tough fund, Texas. Okay. So I want to. I want you to think about this real quick. First of all, keep in mind, and he's about to talk more about this. He already told these people, Dave Phelan's great. I never saw any bullying from him and his leadership team. Never happened, right? So, so he's already told them, like these these people are great. Greg Bonin and Dade and Dusty, these people, they, they just kind of let everyone do their thing and they respect everybody, and it's great. Then all of a sudden he goes, Hey, I had to be real careful. Now, that's a weird way to start in an environment that you've claimed has no bullying whatsoever. I just have to be careful, okay? He then says, we were just on the cusp of getting all this money that was your money, by the way, and you overpaid it, and, you know, but we spent it. By the way, they delivered far less property tax relief than they committed to doing, and y'all are all going to recognize that when you get your tax bills back. So at least he's being honest with that. This was your money, you overpaid it, and we used it to grow government. And I had to be really careful because we wanted to grow government in this way. Let's continue. University fund, $3 billion plus a billion dollars that was sitting in another account that wasn't doing very well. It wasn't really doing what it was designed to do. Plus $100 million a year, you know, in, in perpetuity. For Texas Tech and the other universities, which I mean, I think it's like $40, 50000000 million a year over an endowment. Finally, the respect that these guys who built this thing out here, including a lot of you, finally the respect you deserve. But there's a lot of things in every vote has um, is connected to three other votes. That's connected to four other votes. That's connected to five. So every time you vote on something, would I occasionally have to vote on stuff I didn't like or didn't think was great? You bet. Because I was not about to draw the attention of the chairman of appropriations or the chairman of this or the chairman of that. Let's stop. Tepper needs and okay. So I want you to hear what he just said. Again, remember, he said, there's no bullying that happened to the Texas House. So you can just kind of do whatever you want. Then he says, well, actually, these votes, these three are tied to these four and are tied to these other four. And ultimately, see, I can't vote against this bill. I can't be one of 30 conservatives that say this is a bad bill by a Democrat lawmaker. Because then the chairman of appropriations, who's a Republican, by the way, will be upset at me. I think he then kind of pivots because he realizes I just called out the chairman of appropriations, who's Greg Bonin, who's one of the most powerful members. So he's literally implying that the Republican budget writer, who, by the way, is only the budget writer because Dade Phelan put him there. But Dade Phelan doesn't bully anybody, right? And by the way, the speaker never directly goes to people and says, you do this or else. He literally tasks the people that he puts in power to say, y'all have to enforce and keep all these people in line. And then he says, or the chairman of this or the chairman of that. Now are you seeing why Democrat chairmen are really bad ideas? Now, I mean, most of you know they're really bad ideas, but he just told you why they're bad ideas. He has some bill that's in some committee. Oh, this vote is tied to this vote. This vote by th this bill by this Democrat, he's really good friends with this Democrat chairman and my bill is in his committee. <gasps> I have to stay in line. Oh my gosh, it's almost like there's bully tactics that keep these guys in line. 
He says, I wasn't about to vote conservatively because then I would be on the attention. The Tepper Burroughs Perry bill that billions of dollars they want to grow government by is now at stake. Let's continue. Perry and Burroughs need their tax effect to go through. So if you're wondering why Carl may have voted kind of questionably on some things, that's why. And there were some things I voted for that people swore to me would die in the Senate, like don't worry about it, it'll die, it's a stupid, I know it's a stupid uh, initiative, it'll die, but mostly, most of the time it Thank God for the Senate sometimes, they're kind of the adult supervision. They'll sit in committee all day and pull bad, stupid stuff. Thank God. Okay. So let's talk about this kind of closing part. I think there's a couple things that we learned. One is this absolutely happens. I'm actually very grateful that Representative Tepper was willing to talk about this. Leadership will come up to these lawmakers and all these freshman Republicans that are like, I don't think I should be voting on this bill. This is a really bad bill. This is a Democrat bill. This does this, this does this. I'm against it. And they'll come and they'll say, just, just vote for it. No, no, I actually oppose it. And they'll go, look, look, we promise you the Senate will kill it. Okay. So what Carl Tepper just told you is there's a bunch of times this session that he had to look at policy and go, this is horrible. Well, will you just vote it? The Senate's going to kill it. And these are the same people that will tell you, oh, well, the, the House and the Senate only have a PR problem. So this guy first said, we just have a PR problem. Basically the same, one guy's just ex explaining it better. Now he's telling you, actually we pass all this bad stuff and we hope the Senate kills it. Well, that doesn't sound like a PR problem. That sounds like an actual problem. I, I can't remember a conversation with a senator in the last 10 years where they said, hey, I, we gotta pass this bad bill because, but we're just hoping the House kills it. That has, I don't know that that's ever happened since I've been in politics. It, it might have happened like when Dewhurst was the lieutenant governor and Strauss was the speaker. There was this small section, actually when Craddock was speaker. So when Craddock was speaker and Dewhurst was lieutenant governor. I mean, this is like 2006, 2007. There'd be these times where the House would pass something. So the Senate might go, man, it got out there, but maybe we'll kill it in the House. But since I've been really heavily in politics, since 2011, 2013, this has never happened. So it's not a PR problem, Carl. According to him, it's not a PR problem. He just told you all this stuff's happening. And so what they, they have to convince these freshman Republicans, hey, you're a backbencher, so listen, vote for all this bad stuff. We'll just get them to kill it. But then, see, the Democrats are happy with us. And there's other clips in here where Carl talks about the power that the Democrats have. You can go to my Twitter if you want to watch those clips. But I'm telling you, this is a bad mindset. So, so if you're saying, hey, Luke, uh, Carl Tepper's better than John Frulo. Yes. Just like Dade Phelan's better than Joe Strauss. Yes. But both of them are bad for Texas. And Carl Tepper's problem is that he views himself as a backbencher. He's put all of his constituents on the backbench. He needs to go there and say, this is what we need to do, and I'm going to fight to do it. And you don't get to tell me that I have less of a voice than you, because all of us have the equal voice. We are just, we have the same voice, the same constituents that send us here. So if Carl can shift between his freshman session and sophomore session and view himself 
not as a backbencher. And not because Dustin Burroughs, his Lubbock colleague, says, hey, hey, good job, buddy. You're now going to get to come up the ring because you've, you've really stuck in line. And you voted for all that bad stuff that we hoped the Senate would kill. No, he needs to view himself going up the rung because he actually respects his own constituents enough to put them higher on the rung and start fighting for these things because the Texas House will change. It will go from being a chamber that kills all these good things that the Senate passes and passes a bunch of bad stuff that they hope the Senate kills to being a chamber that is actually equally competitive with the Senate in advancing conservative policy. And I hope we get there because the conversation we will have on this show will change when we get there. That is a problem we have, and it's a problem that needs to change. May God bless you, and may God bless Texas. Thank you for listening to The Luke Macias Show. To find out more information about what's going on here in Texas, visit texasscorecard.com.